name of Bert, and Bert the turtle was very alert. When danger threatened him, he never got hurt. He knew just what to do. He ducked and cover, ducked and cover. He did what we all must learn to do. You and you and you and you. Coming to you from an undisclosed location, thousands of fathoms beneath the sea, this is the Deep Dive Podcast. All ahead, one-third. Off scope. Battle stations. Battle stations! Hello, divers, and welcome yet again to another life-altering edition of the Deep Dive Podcast. It's like listening to a TED Talk if delivered by a team of sloths on Ambien. (laughs) My name is Tom Feeney, writer for Wang's Chop Movie Magazine, latest issue now available on Amazon.com once again. And with me is... Amanda, fresh from the prepper pantry with all my canned goods and my canned water. It's going to be fun. You know, uh, have you seen that new uh, uh, water in a box? You mean box water? Yeah. I mean, like, they have in the stores now. It's like the convenience store. It's like a plain white carton. And it says something like box Box water water is is better. Yeah. Something like that. Can can we confirm this? I don't don't think that's scientifically confirmable. Yeah. But it's a decent marketing ploy. See, that's interesting because does it actually make it more eco-friendly? I really don't think it would. There's still production in it that... Yeah. Yeah. Weird. I don't know. So (laughs) that kind of leads us into today's theme. Mm -hmm. Let's paint a picture with words, shall we? The planet Earth has been devastated by some horrible event. Is it man-made? The result of our collective hubris as a species? Perhaps the dead have risen to punish us for our sins. Or maybe some invading force from beyond the stars has laid claim to our world. Even still, all those plastic straws have finally clogged up our oceans and resulted in some kind of water world thing. I don't know. We told you. Yeah. But I do know this. The post-apocalyptic movie has been an enduring genre since film began. The ultimate doomsday scenario. (laughs) And that's our topic for today's podcast, which I'm calling a podcalypse now. Oh, you like that? You like that? That was good. Yeah, that's all for me. I haven't got no more puns You can keep going. No, no, I'm good. I'm good. It's the end of world or anything. I'm good. Oh. (laughs) Okay, now I'm just in pain. (laughs) All right, so Amanda, what have you come Uh, up with for today? Well, I got some good things while we're down here. Um, beneath all this ocean. Mm. Interestingly enough, we're surrounded by this water and I still haven't figured out a way to do my laundry. Really? Yeah, I should probably You can't just hang them out? Or... Oh, no, that's true. That's true, yeah. You can get in the water inside of the kill vessel. kill us all. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that later. Okay. Anyways, got a couple picks. First one, which I absolutely had fun researching. It's called The Divide. Hmm. 2011. Um, it has Lauren German in it, Milo Ventimiglia, which I think he's currently in that really popular web, not not web series, TV series called This Is Us. Oh, yes. It's, it's like the one that super, makes people cry. Yes, that one is super emotional, but you can't help it and you keep going back to it. It's kind mm. of like, uh, what is it? Like a dramatic version of Paxil or Prozac. Mm. Sadness porn. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, that. Okay. All right. Anyways, um, quick breakdown. 
So there is this tenement building, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Apartment building, a couple of floors, you know, maybe even seven or eight floors. Um, and all of a sudden, explosions are happening. People are screaming. There's loud noises going on. So what do you do? You run. Well, in this case, you sort of like, you know, run down the stairs, take the elevator, mm-hmm. which people say you shouldn't do. But yet in this movie, people did. I don't know. Um, and eventually the neighbors that you don't necessarily talk to, like the woman who makes really stinky cheeses down the oh, hall, yeah. the guy with who smokes a lot and ate, you know yells at his cat, um, they all end up in the basement, which essentially turns out to be a bomb shelter. We have survivors in a building. Do you copy? I want to go home. You just have to be patient, okay? And then it'll get better outside. Have you looked at us? We're dying in here. What do you want to do, Josh? I bet you're just waiting for one of us to die so you can have all the food that you can eat. What's going on? I'm rationing the supplies. It's not your call. Well, groups break down into self-interest during times of scarcity. <laughs> Josh! Just keep pushing and make sure you can see what happens. Help me! The twist about this is that you're sort of led to believe that it's already a pre-made bomb shelter. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think if you didn't necessarily know um, you know, during the Cold War, or if you didn't have any sort of reference behind that, you would you would probably just think, okay, cool. If explosions happen, I'll be safe underground. Um, mm-hmm. Not necessarily the idea that these things are used for a wide variety of sources. Um, so, in this case, all these people get together, um, and naturally, it's like donor party. <laughs> minus eating people. Sure. People are angry. You know, tempers flare. Mm-hmm. Food's getting scarce. Um, they do sort of elect this one guy to be in control of everything, but it doesn't work out well for him because he turns out to be like this maniac who like hoards everything and people are dying. People are getting angry. And what do you do when you want food, but someone else has it? You like kill them. You know, it, yeah, it, it sounds like every day here in the bathosphere. Yeah, that's why there's only two of us left. Okay. Yeah, you better hide those brownies. Oops. Okay. Anyways, um, <laughs> uh, basically, this time goes on. It follows kind of a, a couple of storylines, but the main one is there's a few characters. Um, this one girl, her name is Eva or Ava, um, and she's dating another guy named Sam. They both go down to the shelter, and it's kind of their fight for survival amongst everyone, she being the more sort of... Um, not brutish, I don't want to say that, but like strong-willed. Mm-hmm. Sam, not so much. Um, basically, people think it's a bomb shelter, when in reality, it's really sort of a um, a protective shield for this toxic wasteland that's outside. They heard bombs, keep in mind. They didn't know anything that was going on outside. But really, um, their first sort of glimpse of what's going on is they get raided by these big guys in armored uh, clothing who are speaking a different language. And they're like, what the hell's going on, right? So a battle ensues, and they start fighting each other, and eventually they do um, take a couple of them down. And um, as you do, you take on that armor <laughs> so you can go up to the surface ah. and see what's going on. It's the kind of thing. like the plot of every sort of video game that has come out in the last decade. <laughs> <laughs> but essentially, they go up to the surface, they realize, hey, oh my god, it is literally ravaged by, like... Uh, toxic fumes, radiation, all this really bad, bad stuff. Um, Then eventually it just comes down to really, again, the infighting. And it starts to get very, very, very creepy and also really dark, like um, setting oneself on fire. And yeah, it's just a bit, it's it's a nightmare. But anyways, it's really fast paced. um, And it, it is quite sort of like you get into this one frame of mind and you don't leave it. Um, You're scared all the way through. So Mm. I think if you kind of appreciate that kind of like mind 
twisting kind of thing, then you might enjoy it. Um, couple of things about it. IMDb gave it a 5.8, which isn't the greatest, I realize. Uh, Metacritic gave it even lower, right at 28. Um, but I'm giving it... Now, remember I talked about this last episode, the Mandameter? Yes, yeah. yes. I almost I'm, forgot. <laughs> I think I'm going to short it to the M&M, right? Because the Mandameter... M-M- I think M&M's. I think that's wildly copyrighted. Okay. All right. In any case, um, I'm giving it a 5.5. 5, okay. Which you would think would be a little bit higher, but I think that's a fair assessment given the critics' uh, scores and also the fact that I just really kind of got over the amount of like super like death. You know, I was just like, all right, I get it. You know, I'm over it. Um, but based on three things, the concept, um, I think it's great that people are unaware of what's happening and they assume one thing and you're led to believe the one thing, which is there are bombs happening. Maybe we're being invaded, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the fear, the absolute fear that I got for a possible realistic situation, you know, I mean, with our current politics, um, you really kind of never know where this is going. And so in that aspect, because it is the unknown, but also a very possible well, possibility, uh, I gave it a good score for the fear concept. And then the last thing, um, <laughs> I just thought it was hilarious that it was kind of like the Donner Party. <laughs> yeah. Um, remember that game? What's that game where you're in a wagon? Oh, man. You know, you could die of dysentery. You remember that game? Yes, I do. The Oregon Trail. Yes, love that game. So I used to pretend while playing that in like high school, not even high school. Sorry, we're talking about like middle school here where I would let all my people die. Because, you know, anyways, in any case, okay. um, moving right on. Then. So available to watch on Popcorn Flicks, which is a really cool app, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, and you can also get it on Vudu. Uh, Vudu is a free subscription service. So you could just download that and you have a huge amount of um, like database. Very so, nice. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty creepy. Yeah. yeah. But I'll watch it again. I'll definitely, just not at night. I'm just shocked it wasn't purchased by another studio and retitled Cloverfield Plaza. <laughs> great I mean, that's so good seriously it's like, it's like every other movie is a cloverfield movie now so. oh yeah i really kind of wish that somebody would do this thing where they just end it right there's just one thing and suddenly the apocalypse is the survival of set of all these movies mm. and so the real fear comes into how you rebuild your your civilization like you know post all these like disastrous things so i don't know we'll see hmm. um got another one so basically, this one, I, oh man, it's kind of hilarious, but it is a, a TV show and it's called Doomsday Preppers. You might have heard of it. I have heard of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, National, Geogra National Geographic, excuse me, are the ones who um, put on this and on their, their network here. Um, the specific episode I'm going to be referring to is the first season and episode two, which was right around 2011, 2012 time. Um, basically, the plot of the entire series is they kind of find these individual folks and their families who are prepping for specific events, whether that's going to be a natural disaster, a financial collapse, um, uh, invasion, or, you know, alien. I mean, there are some people who are kind of out there with the aliens, but they do sort of feature them. And I think that this show makes a, a, a really viable and honest attempt to not... Mm, downplay these people's sort of curiosities, but also they don't necessarily make fun of them, mm. right? It's sort of it's tried to make it more um, politically savvy, I suppose you could say. But anyways, these this particular episode <laughs> was uh, quite funny in that this woman was uh, and her family were stockpiling food, um, 
for the eventual financial collapse. Oh, yeah. um, but we're talking, I mean, literally thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds of food. Um, canned food, jar, chicken, whatever meat they had they could find, they would hunt it on their land and then can it. Um, they had entire closets full of like dried goods. Um, they turned their spare bedroom into a water containment room. Ooh. So they had these giant 55 gallon uh, bottles of, uh, you know, drums of water. Because why not? Right? Laid out on top of um, their floor and then they put their bed on top of it and the husband goes well it's like a water bed <laughs> sure it is yeah i laughed internally but i was like i feel so so sad for you i am preparing for a financial collapse which will result in the end of the world as we know it i believe that there will be a colossal financial collapse i believe we're on the precipice of that right now the mortgage industry, the currency value, Wall Street, unemployment, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's all going to come into play as the perfect storm. We have a great deal of foreign debt that could be turned over and flooded back into the system at any time. There will be a day of reckoning, and when that happens, the financial collapse will take a matter of hours before it impacts us right here in this nation. Here's the thing. Does anyone ever ask them the question, what if it doesn't happen? What if the world doesn't end? What's going to happen to this stuff? I mean, can you like, do they even acknowledge that that's a possibility that it might not happen? Or are they just so focused that they're like, it's going to happen? Yeah, there really is just no end goal other than to survive this inevitability. So there really is no question of like, oh, hey, well, it's 2020 and this hasn't happened. Do you think that maybe you'll let up soon? Um, that, that never crossed their mind. And I think, of course, that has to do with ratings, right? Why would sure. they ask them? But also, these people are so entrenched, both physically and mentally, in these, um, I don't want to call them facades, but these ideas and these believable plausibilities, let's mm. say, um, that they just don't get out of them. But this woman and her husband just, I mean, she said, I think in the episode, that her food storage has about 100000 retail value. $100,000 in retail value. I mean, it's just insanity. Um, I don't understand how they live. But then I also thought to myself, like, they didn't mention this episode how they were going to cook said food. <laughs> like, of course, man needs some sort of yeah. fire, <laughs> whether that's on your stove. And if and according to them, if the financial world collapses, then, of course, there's no gas people. There's no, like, electricity. There's there's You literally have to go outside of your home and build a fire. Yeah, got to get those waterproof matches. <laughs> Very important. Yeah. I I just, her entire house, their entire house was literally one surrounded bubble. Now, it kind of goes a little bit beyond that in that they, they recognize that they have this, entri- this entire, like, store and they have to protect it. And the... The time that I started kind of not necessarily kind of go along with this pe- with these people and these ideals were when they started hiding guns <laughs> around their house in cans of peas, as you do, in a Ziploc bag. Wow. In the mattresses. like you know, pea shooter. It's funny because she actually mentions that. Oh, boy. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I don't know what a pea shooter is, but that sounds yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Apparently, it's a very low power yeah. weapon. Yeah. But in any case, I just, I don't know. It, 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 it got me really uncomfortable. And I thought, okay, well, this is probably the point, right? To make someone uncomfortable sure. enough to become a said prepper. Um, it also, uh, it let me down a, what I'm calling a lapis formarinis, which is uh, Latin for rabbit hole, I believe. 
Oh. Yeah. I'm sorry, uh, I'm, my Latin's a little rusty. Yeah. Mine's a little rusty because I haven't studied since, like, middle school, but, you know, whatever. Um, I went down a hole. I'm, I, like, it was, oh, it was crazy. But anyways, as a series, IMDb, IMDb gave it a 6.2. <laughs> Metacritic gave it a 62%. Mm. That's insane. I can't believe it. But believe it or not, I'm giving it a 5.5 um, based on a couple of things. One, the hilarity of the entire subject. <laughs> Two, the preparedness skill that these folks show is actually kind of astounding. Their dedication to their work, their their um, sort of math skills <laughs> are pretty crazy. Um, and also their imagination, because there is just no limits to what these people come up with. And I think it takes a probably creative or perhaps little bit disturbed person to come up with all these theories um but you can watch it on hulu the current season is on hulu if you have a subscription you can watch it on youtube they have several introductory episodes um actually natural national geographic actually has their own channel and they say hey watch these couple episodes and then buy our subscription um you can also rent it uh 1.99 per episode um you can watch it on the apple tv national geographic app um they have the current season going on right now um so those are my two main picks. I do have a couple of honorable mentions. Okay. Yes. Um, so in terms of sincerity, I think people should watch The Road. It's with Viggo Mortensen. It is a fantastic movie. It is so uh, gritty, so dark, but he's just a fantastic actor. And maybe perhaps I'm a bit biased because I love Aragorn. But outside of that, he is just, it's a great movie. It deals with him and his son and they're, they're trying to basically survive in this really, really dark, dark world. I haven't been able to find it anywhere um, to stream per se, but keep your eyes open. It was on Netflix a couple of months ago, and it was definitely on Hulu a couple of months ago. Um, you can also look at The Tribe, which is uh, based out of New Zealand. It's a early 2000s sort of teen drama. And it's about these uh, <laughs> the situation where all the adults die in the world. And they're just left with all the teens. Mm. And they have to survive this world. It's, it's a very uh, emo world. It, it, oh, my God. It was so cute, though, too. And, like, oh, anyways. Uh, 28, day, 28 Days Later, which is a typical zombie film. But I think one of the better ones, um, The Walking dead if you're a fan of zombies which of course is also on the other side of this of like post-apocalyptic stuff that always seems to come in hand with it like mm. giant wave in encircles the world or foot and financial collapse and then there's zombies um uh but then the last thing and i this is super crucial right this is where the uh rabbit hole came in uh youtube Right. There's tons and tons and tons of videos about people oh, yeah. canning, prepping their pantries, um, meal prepping. I mean, it goes on. But there's one channel called Gilbrook Farm I found. It's about Jamie and her husband, Jeremy, and their family. And they strive to sort of live off grid. But they show us how they go from a very small, um, pretty modern, normal family to prepping this entire uh, pantry. It's huge and like canning. And it led me down a huge rabbit hole. Um, but uh, yeah. Basically, it's it's um, how to survive if the internet is gone. Wow. Yeah. They also use this thing called the National Center for Home Food Preservation, which tells you basically everything you need to know. So there are okay. more people out there that are doing this. But anyways. So be honest with me. You're yeah. prepping now, aren't you? I tried. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm storing my little um, pudding packets in the back of my room. Yeah, a yeah. lot of lunchables. Lunchables. Man. Yeah. I don't know. So, what to, I don't know what to think anymore. If there are some little creepy crawlies around here, just know. Oh my god. <laughs> that they're my friends. Oh. <laughs> Amanda, I just I don't know what to say. That I know. I just... I, it's it's getting real real bad. First wow. I got to figure out how to do laundry. Then I got to figure out how to cook. Yeah. I wonder if my mom can send me a package. How do you float a package down to the bottom of the sea? I don't have faith in you. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. 
I mean, if it all comes down, we're stuck down here anyway. Zombie, zombie Megalodon. Yay. Yay. Oh. <laughs> Those are my picks. Did you watch anything? Well, yeah, but, you know, now I'm really depressed. <laughs> so I don't know if I want to go down. Da- uh, you know, I didn't realize how depressing this whole post-apocalyptic right? thing could be. Right? I'm just kind of down now. But Don't you I have will... canned stews? I don't have, I don't have canned stews. <laughs> I'm not a farmer. What? Yeah. Oh, boy. Anyway. Yeah. Continuing on. Yes, your turn. <laughs> I've got I've got a couple of picks of my own. Nice. Now, uh, my first pick is uh, a movie that I think I saw for the first time, probably uh, when I, it, I shouldn't have. Let's just say I should not have seen this movie when I when I was at the age that I saw it. Uh, I I was it was one of those things where I snuck uh, I snuck out of bed in the middle of the night. Uh, mm. We had just gotten cable Ooh. and HBO. <laughs> And this movie was on like at like one o'clock in the morning. So you know it was bad. Yeah, yeah. it was R, still is. Uh, and I, I just watched it and it blew my little mind. <laughs> uh, and it's been one of my favorite sort of guilty pleasures ever since. Um, but my pick, my first pick is Death Race 2000. The year 2000. America is a vast speedway. People line the streets to witness the greatest drivers on earth in a race from sea to shining sea. This is a death race. You finish first, or not at all. Death Race 2000. Every car a deadly weapon. Every spectator a potential point. It's a cross-country road wreck, and the traffic is murder. Who are you anyway? Best driver on earth. I don't want you to die. He was built by the world's finest surgeons to drive the fastest car ever designed, and nothing can stop him now. Death Race 2000, rated R. So I'm kind of straying a little bit from the post-apocalyptic into more dystopian Which is, uh, future. Yeah. You know, I'm starting to see that there's a huge scope and a spectrum there is. of this. There is, there is. Uh, so this is a 1975 movie, Mm -hmm. uh, that was produced by one of the greatest, uh, one of the greatest movie producers, B movie producers of all time, Roger Corman, who was responsible for so many schlocky movies (laughs) throughout his entire, good man's still alive. He still makes, he still produces movies. Um, so yeah, Death Race 2000 is, I consider to be, uh, kind of a classic. Let me set the stage for you. Okay. It is the year 2000. Ooh, it Ooh. sounds very futuristic already, doesn't it? <laughs> and as we all remember, the uh, after the world crash of 79, the United States became a totalitarian regime ruled by a tyrannical president. Of course, in reality, that didn't happen until 2016. Um, <laughs> so to pacify the population, the transcontinental road race was instituted. So basically, a group of colorfully costumed drivers in souped-up race cars drive across America. In this race, however, uh, coming in first doesn't matter as much as how many innocent pedestrians that you kill along the way. Ooh. So there's a point system in place. And the more points you get, the better your chances of winning. Huh. So this stars uh, David Carradine from Kill Bill, who was Bill. Oh, yeah. He was the, uh, he started as the most popular of the racers, was named Frankenstein. Uh, and he's got this scarred face that he hides behind a mask. Uh, and he's the sort of the most popular of all the drivers. Now, his competitors in this race are, and here's where it gets kind of silly. There's Calamity Jane, 
who has this sort of Western motif. Mm. Uh, her car has these two b- big bull horns in the front that are really sharp and can impale people. Um, Matilda the Hun, who is a neo-Nazi, <laughs> and has the car has all kinds of Nazi iconography on it. Oh. Um, there's Nero the Hero, who's a Roman gladiator. Yep. yep. Um, and Machine Gun Joe Viterbo, who is a tough guy Chicago gangster type who is played by Sylvester Stallone in one of his first movies. Rambo? Rambo himself. Rambo, Rocky, you know, Demolition Man, that whole thing. So uh, this was one of his first movies, and he's actually really good in it, which is uh, amazing. (laughs) So the basic plot of this movie, aside from the whole road race, is that Frankenstein, every every driver has a navigator to help them... You know, get, it's like the Indy 500. The, yeah, to yeah. so get to the, the, the cross-country race. So Frankenstein's navigator is this uh, young woman named Annie who is actually part of a resistance uh, within America and wants to assassinate the president. So if Frankenstein wins the race, the drivers get to meet the president in person. And Annie wants to use this opportunity to assassinate mm. the president. Now, Frankenstein, the driver, has plans of his own for the president. Uh, in fact, he himself wants to assassinate the president. Hmm. And uh, now Frankenstein, the, the character is all like burnt up and he's basically half machine. He's and a monster. He's kind of yeah. a monster. Yeah. But in one of my my favorite visual puns of all time in a movie, he's going to kill the president with a hand grenade. Basically a grenade embedded in his hand. <laughs> and you see it, he, he takes his glove off and <laughs> there's a grenade in his him. hand. <laughs> He's got a grenade in his hand, like buried, like implanted oh. in his hand. It looks like a grenade. Oh, it's man. so funny. Uh, but this movie is really dark, mm-hmm. very messed up in, in, terms of, uh, in terms of what it has to say about America and media and pop culture, even in 1975. Mm. This was just like wrestling. Um, but there's like uh, sports announcers and they, they, they take the time during the race to announce the revised uh, points structure. Of like, you know, uh, elderly people and toddlers are worth the most <laughs> points. Wait, that's where that comes from. Yes, that oh my is God. where I'd that comes from. Oh my God, i in the car my parents are like, oh, 10 points. Yeah, exactly. When someone's exactly. Yeah, and basically <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a satire about Americans' desire for more and more extreme wow. forms of entertainment mm-hmm. to distract from the weir- real world problems that we all uh, face. But um, this is a pretty, I mean, because it's a race, it's a pretty fast moving Film, it's got some really fun performances. Once again, Sylvester Stallone, who's great in this movie. Um, and it's just a really, it's bloody, it's a little gory, but it's hilarious. Mm. And uh, for, you know, kind of a dystopian kind of a future, it really does have uh, a lot to say about society. Uh, and even for like a cheesy B movie, um, it's super entertaining. And I highly recommend. Um, anyone watch it it's funny nasty piece of work i love it um just be sure to avoid any and other movies with the words death race in the title because there are a bunch of made after 2000 just say jason statham yeah oh they're terrible they're all bad uh but you know avoid those go see the original Mm -hmm. rotten tomatoes actually gives this an 83 percent wow yes uh, IMDb is a 6.2 out of 10 mm. with over 22,000 ratings on that. So that's a lot, yeah. Yeah. It, it is available right now on Tubi mm-hmm. for free. Love Tubi. Or you can rent it on Amazon Prime for the low, low price of $4.99. Wow. Death Race 2000. 
See it with someone you love. <laughs> a couple thoughts come to mind. Mm. You said 1975? Yes. So that, of course, during the height of, like, muscle cars and, mm-hmm. like, yeah. owning cars as being sort of a status symbol. Absolutely. So were any of these cars, like, muscle cars? They were. Like, so they were all kind of just, they were all, like, these super modified right, okay. uh, race cars. So it's like Mad they, Max. Yeah. So they all had, like, their own cool theme like Frankenstein's with black and green and it had knives on it okay and then you had you know some with like the, the neo-nazi the Matilda the Hun had like a bazooka <laughs> on her car and it just like it was just so crazy over the top right 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 um but just uh just really funny very dark humor mm-hmm. but really super funny yeah I might give it a go yeah so my next pick mm-hmm. propels us a little bit further than 1975 and we're talking about 1984. Mm-hmm. And so my next film was Night of the Comet. <laughs> so Night of the Comet is this weird little hybrid of a movie. It's basically uh, Omega Man meets Valley Girl. Did you ever wonder what it would be like to be one of the last people on Earth? We're talking ghost town! Who would you see? There's nobody. I mean, there's nobody. Ah! What would you do? Hey, I'm sorry if the end of the world makes me a little nervous. Where would you go? The stars are up ahead! Well, get ready to find out, because the comet is coming into your orbit. The, the whole premise is there's a comet that's passing over, that's near the Earth, and the Earth is going to pass through the tail of the comet, right? Mm-hmm. And this is cause for, like, big celebrations around the world. Everybody's excited. Oh, we're passing. It's like the first time in 65 million years. Hint, hint, that Earth has passed through this comet. Uh, nobody really knows what's going to happen, but nobody's, you know, most people don't think that anything is going to, you know, really, really bad is going to happen. So uh, we meet these, after this, we meet these two teenage sisters, a typical valley girls, you know, okay, whatever. Uh, and they're just you know, kind <laughs> Never of... Never do that again. <laughs> thank you. No, I won't. Just kind of shallow, vapid, yeah, yeah, stereotype like girls from the valley, um, and so they're dealing with their own issues to care about this whole comet thing, um, but that changes when the night after the Earth passes through the comet, basically everyone around them, everyone around these two teenage girls, and they they're like separated, so they're you know, not in the same place, but. Everyone has either been vaporized or turned into zombies. Oh, wow. Yes. So, you know, what do you do when that kind of thing happens, when most people are gone or flesh-eating, crazed zombies? What do you do? You go to the mall. Yeah, of course. Which is what they do. They go to the mall because there's no one there and they can steal, take whatever they want. (laughs) So they do a little shopping. Uh, This nice little shopping montage, you know. That's always fun to do. Um, But they meet... Another survivor who is this uh, truck driver who, you know, decent guy, you know, nice guys, kind of cute guy. They think they both like him. Right. You know, and they're figuring their options are, you know, what are their options now? Because, like, everybody's gone. Um, So while they're trying to figure out what happened and what's, you know, what's going on, they are contacted by a group of scientists. So these scientists are actually... The people that predicted that this would happen. Of course. And they want to find the survivors and figure out uh, why they survived. What about them allowed them to survive this apocalypse, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
So the scientists are trying to track these teenagers down, not necessarily to help them. Right. They have other plans. Scientists. They're scientists. Yeah. They basically want to... Experiment. Experiment on them, take their blood, use it to cure some of their scientist friends who's been affected, yeah. things like that. So yeah. it's it turns into kind of this crazy sort of back and forth chase movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and But it's... It's got a really quirky sensibility about it. It's kind of fun. If you can call, I mean, most post-apocalyptic films, not fun. Not usually a <laughs> bunch of laughs. by zombies. I'm thinking of The Road. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was not fun at all. Not not exactly what I would call a good time. You know? <laughs> yes. And yes, I know Viggo Mortensen is really well known for his comedic Love talents. Him. Wait, you know, what? He, <laughs> never mind. But yeah. Yeah, definitely kinda, not fun. Kind of dark. But they're in a mall. They're in a mall. And they're so, girls. But it's like taking characters from a stupid t- 80s teen comedy mm-hmm. and plopping them down into a really kind of serious zombie movie. <laughs> so it is this weird little hybrid of a movie, uh-huh. but it works. Yeah. You know, the, it's well-directed. The acting is good. It's just this awesome little movie that basically takes kind of two genres and slaps them together and makes this whole new thing that's actually really fun to watch. Right. So it, but it's, and it's also, I mean, if you like 80s movies, this is great. This is sort of quintessential kind of 80s movie. So it really kind of captures that whole feel, you know, if you're into that sort of thing. Um, so I, I thought it was like totally rad. <laughs> oh, man. Mm. Whoa. Yeah. So, hey, I remember the 80s, so don't <laughs> even go there. So Rotten Tomatoes, mm. by the way, gives this an 80 what percent yeah i tell you it's a good movie that's kind of surprising yeah and uh, imdb 6.4 out of 10 mm. which is not terrible uh night of the comet is available once again on tubi and voodoo for free and it's on amazon prime free if you have an amazon prime subscription nice yeah so you know talking about this uh the whole post-apocalyptic thing you gotta wonder uh is this kind of a reflection of society or is it sort of like a, a, a kind of a cautionary tale do we feel like that the 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 content that is made uh like the sort of post-apocalyptic things really reflect the times that they're made in or is it just some just sort of a really ingrained kind of genre in in our culture i mean ever since noah's ark mm. you know we've got every every society has its like flood, like flood <laughs> devastation story, right, right. things like that. So it seems to be something that's kind of ingrained in us. I would think so, yeah. Maybe the newer type movies, which are trying to push those boundaries of um, plausibility. Again, things that could possibly happen, not just stereotypical zombies mm. or, um, you know, uh, world wars that end up consuming the entire earth. Um, ones that are sort of really out there are the ones that I think uh, really make this genre worth investing in right you just keep going into it because there's just so many other like i said a spectrum um when you were talking about that last movie i had this thought of like you ever see dawn of the dead i think it was like a 2004 or 5 movie oh, don't get me started <laughs> well they're the up in remake a of dawn of the dead yes oh that's a remake that, oh, it's a remake it's a remake of a 1978 movie called dawn of the dead that took place in a shopping mall so what you're saying is the 70s were way better for movies yes than Okay. That's exactly what I'm saying. Okay, okay. Well, all right. Well, I guess that point is moot then. <laughs> but it's uh, the same, it's it the really same is. idea. It's it a, is. you know, it's it's all against the backdrop of consumerism. You yes, know, both yes. those films, you know, mm-hmm. it's basically 
Uh, I don't know. I I haven't seen the remake in a while, but I do know that there that there's sort of a, a kind of a line in the original Dawn of the Dead, where you know they're they're kind of questioning why the zombies are in the mall. Why are they walking around in the mall and going up and down the escalators and stuff right, like right, that? Right, right, right. And it's uh you know and some one of the characters says this this was a place that was important to them, and that was like you're like whoa wow. okay, this meant something in their lives. This was important to them. And, you know, so they're kind of going through the motions right. of what they were doing when they were alive, uh, which I thought was really interesting. It was an interesting thing to say. Well, um, with all the stores and the malls kind of going out of business these days, yeah. it's kind of creepy and sort of like predictive these movies back in the 70s, like trapped in a mall where there's nobody alive and it's just like this wasteland. Well, there are so many abandoned malls these days. In fact, there are YouTube channels exploring said. I love those. Right? I love the dead mall videos. Oh, I don't know why. I don't know why. It's just something so creepy. It's yeah. a time capsule in space. Yeah. There's a really cool one too where they go into like this really expensive French mansion and they go into one of the rooms of the little girl who lived there and there's like a doll sitting there. Super creepy. But yes, I love those too. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. It's... um. It it kind of makes you feel like almost sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like oh, this this used to be a a, a thriving hive of commerce, right? And now it's just kind of oh, it's all empty. And you know, you yeah. see like some of the I mean, some of the malls that have been abandoned for a while, and you you see the the videos of people exploring them, and uh-huh. like there's holes in the in the ceiling, and, trees and waters are is coming everywhere. in, yes, and like nature yes. is taking over again. It's like it's reclaiming the land for it's like itself. Chernobyl, except no radiation. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, I love those ones too. It's like um, that movie Tunnel Nine. You ever seen that? No. It's about um, that mental hospital up in Danvers, Massachusetts. Yeah. Mm. Apparently, you know, just short breakdown. Apparently, they used to wheel people out of these tunnels. It was like a big mental hospital, but people get really sick all the time. They would wheel them down a tunnel, and I don't know. You should watch it. But people explore that too, and that's also a really cool pastime that a lot of people do. I like that. Yeah. That's interesting. This is a good topic. I like this topic. We'll this have could to... go, like, yeah, I think we could do a couple episodes yeah, on this. Yeah, we'll have to come back to this at some point. Especially zombies. Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. So, do uh, you think that does it? I think so. I think it was a pretty good one. Yeah, I yeah. think so, too. I mean, if you haven't, if you weren't depressed before, you started listening to this episode, you probably are now. <laughs> so, yeah, that brings us to the end. You're welcome. The end. The end. Of another really satisfying and uplifting episode yeah. of the Deep Dive Podcast. Thank you to everyone for listening. Be sure to join Manda and myself for our next fun-filled edition of Puppets and Local Amateur Magicians. Um, that lineup is subject to change. Um, actually, I think we're doing, what, foreign movies? Yeah, yeah we're doing yeah. foreign movies. Okay. All right, all right. You ready to do this now? Hopefully we'll be able to uh, Listen, we'll it's get in our this, contract. Get I this right. You. Yes, you have to get it right this time. Otherwise, I'm going to just get really, really sad and upset. Okay. 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 You ready? Ready. Three, two, one. Zombies! Zombies! (laughs) Special thanks to Spirits of the Symphonic and Echo Craft for our amazing theme music. Links to both artists can be found on our website, the Deep Dive Podcast. .podbean.com If you like us, you can subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, Overcast, or wherever fine podcasts are found. The Deep Dive Podcast is a production of Automaton Media. You maniacs! You blow it up! Oh, damn you!
Shot!